Cross the Streams podcast, hometown heroes segment. We're on the road. Like if you guys could see us right now, I'm really good at saying what you should see on an audio podcast only, but we're actually kind of in a studio today in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We've got another Skyview Falcon. Uh, Kane's going to chime in on the React segment to this, but I got a long time, lifelong friend of mine that's doing amazing things in Minneapolis, Minnesota at a marketing firm called Mc, call McVoy. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself here, but yes, this is the fifth Skyview Falcon, and I'm not afraid to say we're biased. We've had some Golden Bears, we've had a couple Central Rams, but we're going to have more Skyview people on it because, damn it, it's a Skyview People's Podcast. Hometown. <laughs> Hero Schwab, you introduce yourself, man. Thanks, Kip. Mike Schwab. Yeah, I played uh, played uh, known Kip from sports. Went to school together. Obviously, been in touch since. Many so weddings. We were in many, many weddings. weddings. Absolutely, in both each other's weddings. Yep. So great to have you back out here. And this, I, before we dive into the, the usual, and if those of you guys chiming in, Hometown Heroes segment, Kane and I go around, we try to get back with people from Billings, um, athletes that people remember, uh, friends of ours, opponents of ours, people when we were little kids that we looked up to. And really, we, we get their, what they're doing now, the updates, we, we get some reminiscing about their time in Billings. But the fun part for us in this is always just seeing the expansion of what people have done with their lives, families, careers, and I think Schwab's today. I've been able to see because I've, I've never I haven't been out here in so many years to see him. Um, it's been amazing just getting to walk through and, and have our discussions about things that kind of cross the streams like the podcast title. I'm out here for the NCAA Final Four NABC Coaches Convention. Um, but we end up talking about things that affect us day to day in his world and my world that absolutely cross the stream. So, so Robbie, take me here. We do what we do at Skyview, right? We're amazing in our own rights. <laughs> As we get older, isn't it that we were so much we better? Every year. I mean, we we're phenomenal. Older. Every Just. year we get older than that. We <laughs> but you went to Concordia, okay? Yep. Football at Concordia. Take me through the major there, the playing career, and then how did you end up in Minneapolis? Yeah, so I went to Concordia, um, kind of got on my radar for football. Went out there as a liberal arts school which at the time I wasn't necessarily looking for a liberal <laughs> arts school. But, uh, really but you got to put the pads on again. Got to put the pads on again and appreciated what a liberal arts school had to offer. Uh, yeah. Kind of a well-rounded education and, and everything from the arts to science and religion and everything across the board. So I think a lot of that is a great foundation for what I do today. Um, so with that, yeah, I went to school, had a double major in marketing and communications. You double majored? I did. Look See, at you. I know. Football player and a double major? No, and I was, yeah, I was, I was, a, B, I was a BC kid on this. <laughs> exactly. Hanging out with all these 4.0 kids. <laughs> trying to sabotage their work half the time. That will get into down. that. I have had <laughs> one B in my life, and it was courtesy of this gentleman in the Listen Up, our weekly guest, David Gunn. We'll get into that story. Well, go ahead. Keep going. Double major in what? We claim full responsibility. So. <laughs> Marketing, communications, with a with an emphasis in advertising and marketing, but at the same time, because it was liberal arts, you know, it's, to be honest, it's not that hard to get a double major. Yeah, um, get a little bit more well rounded. But at the same time, graduating, there's not a career, you know, there's not a direct path into advertising or into marketing. And when we graduated, I mean, today with LinkedIn and social networks, I, I got to believe it's a lot easier to connect and uh, talk to people and get references. But man, we were on our own. It was like. Yeah. Dude, we had no resources whatsoever. So I graduated Concordia. I had no idea what I was going to do. It was yeah. 2001, if you remember. The economy went to hell. Yep. 
totally a shit in the handbasket. <laughs> so graduates before us, I was told each graduate got an average of two job offers. And then when we graduated, every two graduates got a half a job offer. So, like a part-time position yeah. offer or internship would might be paid later. Yeah, terrible job. <laughs> Nothing out there. So ended up that summer, went home and worked with Ryan Flurry. Actually yes. did some concrete work. Back in Billings. Back did in you really? Yeah. See, I didn't know that part. Carrying forms around in 110 degree heat. <laughs> I was like, when the hell did I go get an education for? That right. doesn't make any sense. No, it was fun. It was good to see everybody. And then headed back out to Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, naturally, that's just where a lot of people gravitate to from Concordia, where a lot of the jobs are. So I knew I wanted to get into advertising. Yeah. Started calling around. I literally, I mean, it's not quite like the Yellow Pages, but back then they had a thing called the Gold Book, which I listed all the agencies. Okay. You got to remember, this is like infancy of the internet. No, seriously. No, it really crazy. is. Yes. We'll talk about this later, our generation. But... uh Started calling around and then... Um, like cold calling. Cold calling and just yeah. saying, hey, you know. And, and this was after I did do a couple internships, so I had really good experience. Uh, I thought I was going to get some internships. The whole internship programs kind of went away because of the economy. Long story short, though, I wanted to stay out in Minneapolis. It was mm-hmm. fun. A lot of my buddies were out there, so I had to get a job. Went to a uh, placement agency. Didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> Literally got a job the next day. Really? <laughs> as a logistics broker. What does that mean? I was running around. I had no idea. (laughs) So I come to work and they told me all about backhaulers, which I learned that people ship stuff all over the country. As a truck driver, a lot of small truck driving companies out there, you never want to take an empty truck home. Okay. So the whole game was to try to get clients who were shipping stuff. We we specialize, or I specialize in office furniture. Yeah. I don't know anything about office furniture, but I was shipping it. (laughs) And then uh, the, the, the role was, you know, I'd connect. Hey, I got a load in Newark, and it needs to come back to Chicago. So I'd find an empty truck in Newark online, Yeah, which these sites are crazy. So that truck could have gotten to Newark delivering anything else. Right, anything else, but he's coming home empty. He didn't want to come home empty, so I get him, but I get him at a discount because he's willing to do anything. Yeah, just so it's not empty. Yeah, that job was crazy. So I ended up, uh, a lot of it was office furniture, so these companies would be ready for these loads of office furniture coming. Mm-hmm. I'm talking 8, 9, 10, 11 loads. They would have 30 guys that they were paying 20, 25 bucks an hour waiting for those trucks. I didn't know these truck drivers at all. Right. <laughs> didn't trust. I, I yeah. had no trust, and they were all putting all their faith in me, sitting in an office in Egan, Minnesota, having no idea what was going yeah, on. Yeah, where they were headed, what At they were the doing. At the time, these guys, and, and there's great truck drivers out there, but there's <laughs> another group that were terrible. <laughs> They didn't know like all the industries. They the didn't know how to read a map. They didn't know how to read some yeah. of them. Like they were all over the board. So were I was, you like having to check progress. Oh, because you damn sure didn't have phone. Google Maps. No, back no GPS back then. No. So you're calling, dude. Where are you? They're crazy. So it was always late. People cursing at you, hollering at you. I had so many stories. Once, yeah. it was like running my own business. It was a good experience at the time. Yeah, I remember one story. This guy's like, hey. I got this pallet of palm, palm, remember palms? Palm, what was it, uh, digital, like... Oh, palm pilots. Palm pilots. Yes, yes. We're all the rage. Yeah, he's like, I'm all in on these palm pilots. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I need to ship one pallet of these to so-and-so distribution center. Like, this was this big... He had a pallet of, like... Of palm pilots stacked, yeah. Like, hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably. This was it. This was a big gamble in life. I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to get out of there and go play basketball at the Y. I was like, yeah, yeah, get that on a truck. Right. So I line it up, get some truck driver, picks the thing up. He's like, yeah, yeah, is this covered, you know, insured? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, fill out the uh, paperwork or whatever. And uh, a couple of days later, load was supposed to deliver, and he calls me up. He's like, where's the stuff at? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Call yeah. the truck driver, nothing. Call the company, nothing. Nobody knows anything. Right. They just <laughs> vanished. Vanished. 
Yeah, I'm sure, you know, that's how you, you I mean, you get yes. your movies, you get well, your that's how, yes. We've all watched The Sopranos, we know yes. where those Palm Pilots ended up. Uh. <laughs> so this guy's like, life went down the drain, and he called, you know, he's like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll send over the paperwork, I don't know. Right, because they like, <laughs> fill out the forms, and we might reimburse you half. Yeah, I don't oh, know what my. to do. I had no idea you were doing this. Oh, that, what's that, O two, O three? Yeah, that was like, oh, yeah, O two, probably O one, O two. And then I had a guy, and oh, this is great, one morning I wake up, 5 a.m., I get a phone call. Saturday morning, probably after a rough night, Friday night. Mm-hmm. And guy's just screaming at me. I'm holding the phone away from my head. And uh, turns out uh, the truck driver, he's late, but um, the truck driving company had somehow got his number, called him, and said that the driver had fell asleep at the wheel, trailer had split open, and I have furniture all over some, I don't know, Highway 23 right. all over Florida. <laughs> and this guy's paying 20 people and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, I was like, I don't know, it's Saturday. I'll send over the paperwork. You can file a claim. <laughs> was that your go-to? Yeah, I'll send, send over, over the paperwork. paperwork. Fill it out, buddy. Uh, and was that by fax, by the way? That was by fax. That was by fax. Everything was by fax. I'll fax that over to you. We'll take care of this. So was that job, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you about this former job in where you work now. And it's like, for those, I'm trying to do a good job of portraying this picture. It's like Vince Vaughn and uh, Owen Wilson in The Intern. Yeah. Remember that, The Internship? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an open setting. Very, right? set, yeah, very, very open similar. setting, very welcoming. You can bring your dog to work here. No, what, I think what, there's some connection there because you're trying to run a business. You're trying to do some service. A lot of what I do is account service. Yeah. And um, we'll get into that a little bit, call that account leadership now. But uh, yeah, you're just running the business and trying to, to, to provide a service and get was O3 Schwab now this guy that's here in this palace so wait were you so in I don't a want to cub- get out of this I knew I wanted to get out of were you stuck in a cubicle all day on the phone yeah yeah sending paperwork oh it was crazy okay go ahead. I, you know, so yeah obviously you're tired of the I was going calls. to the Y to play basketball so then <laughs> I was like I gotta get out of this I gotta get into marketing I have no time to interview that was the problem because you it's a hustle you have to go around and do informational interviews yeah no right. one's gonna find you okay and uh, that still holds true today so then I um I had a buddy that I got to know through some friends that we hung out quite a bit, and he was uh, selling bailing twine. Dude was like 23. And Literally the like, stuff they tie hay up with. Yeah, it was an overseas company, but he owned the whole U.S. operation, him and another buddy. So I was like, hey, why don't I – I'm already shipping your stuff. We got to know each other. Yeah. I'm shipping twine around the country. I was like, I'll come work for you part-time. You pay me X amount per hour, and, uh, and you'll save thousands of dollars on okay. your shipping because okay. I know how to do this. Okay. And he's like, all right, sweet. And on the, your spare time, sell some bailing twine. I was like, all right, I'll sell some bailing <laughs> I don't, I've never seen, we had like a little sample in the office. I sold truckloads of oh, bailing, bailing, twine? bailing twine. I was a bailing twine expert What for did like you six make months. distinct about your twine? Oh, we had some, uh, it was a state of the art <laughs> fabric, unlike anything else, mesh, you European. Could, you could secure remember, your front right? door against thieves with oh, this bailing man. twine. Pallets, truckloads, and that's a whole other okay. podcast. I got a hundred so stories you, about that. But okay, anyways, so I'm bailing twine. Yes, yeah. making those guys, saving those guys money. But, in the, but the trade-off was, hey, if I have an interview at three o'clock, I got to go. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. So then I just hit the streets, started doing informational interviews. Man, I bet I talked to like twenty. 25 people at lunches and different lunches coffees and they were all very nice and they'd always meet with you and the key was whenever you met with somebody i always asked them for two or three other people that you could meet with yeah and kind of tell them your story and so i was doing this probably four or five months and i was kind of running i was like oh man maybe even half were you are you on a full ask at those or are you just like i'm making the connection but i'm not i'm not literally saying hire me today you guys got anything open just trying to learn about their company each of them worked at a different agency so you got a good feel for the different agencies in town and the firms uh and then um yeah when all of a sudden i i literally thought i hit rock bottom it was pouring down rain one day 
I had to park 20 blocks away because I couldn't afford parking <laughs> in some random lot next to a train depot that was not used for 30 years. <laughs> so I walk, I'm soaking wet, I show up, and this dude's like, I think it was Gabriel DeGurud, who still owns, he's president and CEO of DeGurud Bench or whatever. Yeah. I think he's still there. And uh, he's like, man, I'm just going to shoot at you straight. Like, this economy sucks. Nobody's hiring. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got great experience, but man, you might want to reconsider. <laughs> so he was, yeah, he so was walk, ripping your dream. Yeah, like, he's being straight, though. It's fine. Yeah. And then I walk home in the rain, pouring down rain, got home. My buddies were there. I was like, I don't know. I'm done with that. I don't know if this is going to work. Right. And not shitting you, a week later, I got three different phone calls, not from them, but from yeah, three from, other places. Yeah, from and previous then, uh, informationals. Yeah, yeah. Right. So and ended up at Call McVoy in the craziest way. There, um, the guy I was selling twine for, his girlfriend at the time, had heard about an opening at Call McVoy. I called. Yeah, and it was to be a business manager, which was a lot more of the invoicing, accounting side okay. of things. But I was like, yeah, I'm running this fiber. I'm running this bailing twine place, doing finances and right. invoices and shit. That's right up my alley. And I ran some other. Yeah, I can do this. And so it was great. So I got in the door and kind of started at, to be honest, like a finance level and understanding how the company made money yeah. and how we build our time and all that. And then uh, just took off from there. From there. It was funny. I, I, I started for a woman who was going to go on maternity leave. Uh, so it's that first day I was in the office. She's like, you know what? Don't even worry about this. We'll take, we'll, I'll figure, I'll tell you what we do tomorrow. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. I had a baby that night. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so there was. <laughs> I came to work the next day. I was like, I don't know what I do. Here I am. Yeah. I was just. I was fortunate. Some people took me underneath their wing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just. Was it this office, this two level? We place? were down in Bloomington at the time. Okay. It's kind of a suburb of Minneapolis. And really nice building. It was beautiful. Yeah. Marble floor, piano player in the morning when you walked in the lobby. Yeah. Uh, all, you know, all glass. But it was like, man, are we in the wrong place for our industry for sure. and our culture? You saying that out loud and then seeing this, and I'll put up on our on our Twitter and I'll put up on our Instagram once this episode goes up. I'll put up with I'll let Schwab tell me which one I can share from this office space compared to what you just described where you used oh, to be. Oh, it's funny. I was twenty, whatever, twenty three, twenty four. I had a big corner office with a view of downtown Minneapolis because yeah. they're all offices, right? And not like this open, yeah, no, interaction. No, I'm sitting at a plywood table. <laughs> Good. Okay, now let's. On the hometown hero side of things, go back. So you and I, God, what years was it? Our first employment was at Montana Bearings. Oh, yeah. Correct? We built conveyor belts with a couple of, three other buddies of ours, Chad DeHaan, Donovan Mosser, Garrett Peterson, who, sidebar, we can't say our nickname of him because it's not appropriate for him anymore, but he's now a police officer, a sheriff's deputy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know, yeah. Right? He's, he's doing big things, yeah, and that right, poor yeah. kid survived us. Yeah, I know. Um, but killing. we built conveyor belts from, what? Eight to five. To this day, do you have any idea how those conveyor belts are used? Where did what they go? What they used for? Where no. did they go? And when we say this, folks, like they literally, we started with a rolled up piece, piece of, rubber. of rubber with nothing. And they said, here's, guys, here's a hammer and a punch. <laughs> and we want you two to sit in some wheelchairs. And we want you to punch a hole. I'll do three. Schwab will do three. And then Dehan and Donovan, you two push it with your legs, and it'll roll out a little farther. And they were big timers. And they, then, yeah, they, they had the big time job. And then we punched again. We had we were the hammerers. We were the grunt labor for the whole time. And they rolled with their feet. That was it. We put, I, punched thirty thousand holes. Oh, a day. for sure. And then that's that's just to get it ready to then go put the individual screws right, the bolts, the bolts and the bars in the rubber, and then go around by hand with the nuts and twist those on. And then the big timers came by with the weapons. Chad oh, yeah, yeah. And, Chad and Donovan again, are so mad right now. They're senior. Yeah. They're yeah, senior. Yeah, they senior basically were our, they were like the foreman. Yeah. And we're the, and then we're you the, twist the nuts on the bolts, right? They get to do the, zzz, 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 
Then we're putting by hand the bars on the outside bolts. Here they come again. And this is this is where it really. I think that's probably where we decided that wasn't going to be our profession. This is great. In this day and age, any kid that had this job would say, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What am I building? Where's it go? Yes. Tell me how this thing works." How am I like, not immediately paid right now? You're like, you're going to pay me what to put this bar on? All right. When I, have, I have no idea. You have nobody had any idea. What nobody said. Yeah, no. There was no before. like the end of the mountain here, guys. No, there wasn't because once that roll was done and it went on a huge. What was that? A big forklift. A big oh, forklift. Big, big, uh, a turn tie. I don't know. Turned, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would Turned. sit on the back and put our feet on the back of the bolt while the other two powered it in from the other side. And you just <laughs> did that for hours. You're literally laying on your back with your legs up. Remember to go through your soles so of your shoe? This. We did this for about three weeks and realized this this sucked. This is boring. <laughs> this is the worst job this is the worst that has job ever happened. But we got this down. We know how to do this. And then we started playing indoor baseball. Which was a phenomenal which was invention. Phenomenal. Which then evolved to water balloons which, in the shop. Yes, and that was all out sneak war. attacks. And, which yes. then evolved to was it was it Garrett? I almost said his nickname. Yeah, that we put in the chair <laughs> and we <laughs> saran wrapped him to and the chair. Spun him around in the chair <laughs> and we spun him around the chair and then on I, what's that street on Montana? That yeah, Montana, Montana Avenue? Avenue, the one way or fourth, yeah, whatever Fourth Avenue. Yeah, it's a one way and people just fly down that thing yes. because it's kind of a warehouse district and nobody cares. It's industrial, yeah. It's, well, it's not zoned because it's Montana. There hasn't but. been a kid under five there in 30 years. <laughs> so we rolled him out and he was all pissed off screaming at us because he couldn't get out of this chair. Like an office, fixture yes. office chair with a broken arm or something on it that we used. And you saran shop. wrapped to it. We saran wrapped him to the chair and he's cursing at us and we got upset with him so we just rolled him out in the middle of that one way. That was, <laughs> he's it went back for a Mr. Freezy break. <laughs> it went back for a Mr. Freezy before we went back and got him we go out there all the cars are honking and, there he and, pissed off, and he's sitting in the middle of a four-lane one way if there had been cell phones in that would have been viral like what happened that all my friends phenomenal. put me out here and then you see the two foremen coming out yelling at oh us oh my god we would have been youtube sensation do you think like i think back to that here right? it could have been a youtube hit even a sensation i'm not sure i learned work ethic from that job because that's not like i worked hard no i did learn like nine to five is not ideal for me if it's I'm not in charge of it. I honestly, right? <laughs> yeah, no interest. Then we graduated from that to selling and running. Coke the only good Cola. part of that job is we got to debate and argue every day at work right. and work with our buddies. Right. Now that, that was fun. That was fun. Which led to our ability to do a podcast because that's basically what we do is just talk and argue and come go. to a consensus of well, both of us are kind of geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to Coca Cola. Oh, that was my uncle got us a that. job being stalkers. Like the right? Oh, is that yeah, what it was? Yeah. Stock boys. So you go whenever you go to a if you even go to a That's grocery store anymore. Too, I'm sure. Stock, probably stock people. Stock people. Yeah. Well, Pam was my boss. Oh. Remember we <laughs> rode we rode around. I didn't know how to drive stick shift, everybody. But you had to drive one of the little light white diet coke trucks behind the delivery trucks. And when they got to Target or they got to IGA, you had to un unload the, the, the pallets of 12 packs. Yep. And then they gave you a little book that said, this is going to be a display number seven. And you look it up and it said, Sprite goes first, root beer goes second, Coke's third. Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had to Stock build it that. on the shelf and make it look beautiful. Yes, and make it line up and then go, hey, you know, last first in, last out, whatever we were yeah, using. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That was our job. But they separated us after about two weeks and said, you two got to go on separate yeah. shifts. So we'd always meet at Wendy's. For lunch, man. We couldn't eat anywhere else. How did we, we ever... could only eat at Wendy's because they serve Coca-Cola. <laughs> they wouldn't let you go to Taco Bell. Well, we didn't care because we weren't getting paid anything. So we go to Taco Bell with our Coca-Cola gear on and <laughs> hey drink guys. Pepsi and eat hey guys. double decker Supremes. How oh, they were so upset. They would how they did found we... out one time, I think, they, you. They, they brought us in. Oh yeah, we got yeah. a talking to. Yes. 
And we weren't even, we went through the drive through or something. For sure. How did we coordinate the getting com- there? That was the competitor. Yes, for and sure. We were in this meeting. You mean Pepsi? <gasps> Don't say it. <laughs> so, remember when they said Surge is here to kill the dew? And you and I looked at each other and said, have you guys tried this green syrup? Get out of here. It's, it's not big Mountain Dew. I have four Mountain Dews in my Diet Coke truck. 20 heads turn over and look at us. Well, I'm just saying. Hey, it's a good thing your uncle's pretty high up in this company I own. Yeah, I know. And we're, I know him. Yeah, so we're good. That was my line. What? Do you Okay, here's another one. And we're devolving. That's part of the podcast. Sidebars. You Remember had to sit up on that pallet up on the 4th, 4th of, of July. July and you were fair catching 12 packs that I was throwing you. So you'll realize in your life as you go on, there's some jobs that although 80, 90% of the society may love that day, there are a few people in this world that actually may hate that day. And that was as a Coke stock boy. On 4th of July was pandemonium. Because you guys have all seen it. Yep. 4th of July, look at your newspaper. Look at your insert for the grocery store. Yes. Coca, you can get like 36 cans of Coca-Cola for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. And so, but somebody crazy. has to build those displays that you walk up to. And so Coca-Cola and Billings and all its genius would stack pallets in preparation. But they had to oh. put them out of the walkway, right? So they put them on the roof. This, I'm not, this is no lie. They put them on the roof of the IGA on Main Street, and they said, "I own Schwab." Like, this is not a couple of pallets. No, this, this is literally six. A city of pallets, and they said, "Listen, you got to get that." Because stuff all these down. small businesses like Montana Bearings would come down and say, "Oh, we're going to load up the Coke machine." We'll take twenty-five the of them. We'll take a pallet, load it up, boys. Hey, listen, Kip, I want you to go to the top, and you're going to. We need to get the Diet Coke from the roof down to the display, and we're like, "How are we going to do that? We don't got the forklift." Well, you're going to grab one, and you're going to throw it down about 12 feet. Schwab's going to catch it. And literally, would you ever get return kicks in college? Because you were ready. You were. It's like with Jerry Rice. They said Jerry Rice learned how to catch with his cinder blocks. Dude, you would have been a phenomenal oh, putt yeah, returner. Because yeah, yeah. I was throwing those things like, here you go. And I just like them. Smith, yeah, and people are looking at us. Like, I think friends walk by like, what are you two doing? Every now and then I drop one, cans would just blow. <laughs> What did we take from that job? I learned how to drive stick. Yeah, you didn't even know how to drive stick. No, I didn't. That was funny. I learned how to drive stick from that. I learned that it, it, if you're stuck with a partner and working, because we each had our own, like, when they split us up, we had to have a different partner. Yeah. And those Dirk. Oh, I got stuck with Dirk. And I had Pam. And if you didn't get along with your partner, it was going to be a like long day. 42. I was like, well, I don't know, 19, 18, 19, 19 yeah. didn't have a dollar to my name. No. Dirk would stop, but you'd get all the candy, stop at home, get sandwiches, chips, and just sit there. You think Dirk, we got to go to Shopco, You man. think he'd offer me a chip? <laughs> Not even a chip? It's like, I'm just going to sit there and watch you eat all this food, all this candy? I'm good. I guess I'm fine. Oh. Wow, that was something. I don't know. I learned, yeah. Right? Because people like, I think we, we look back on things, and we want to say, oh, I learned X. Did I? I, think I was I appreciative how... of having the job. I wanted, I needed money. I was appreciative of that. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. We learned about. I learned about like in-store presentation. Yeah, I mean that was kind of interesting. That's true. That there was a method to the madness and how you get displays and who you got to spiff and why yeah. you're doing it. But it still made no sense. They should have been charging. I mean, I get why people. Obviously, you're going to advertise Coca-Cola, get people in your store, so they right. buy the mustard and the ketchup and everything else. But man. People were like, I don't want anything else. This is yeah. 36 cans for a buck. I'm right. buying pallets for exactly. the store. For sure. Uh, I do I maybe this do you think this is true? And today, you know, in our jobs where we, you know, we 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 work with people, we also supervise people. Do you think there was an appreciation for the oh, little yeah, job? Totally. Because yeah. I see stock stalkers, whatever they're called now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know I see them doing. there and I'm like, man, I feel for you, dude. Yep. I know. And I'm 40, you know, <laughs> and I still like, man, I got you. Yeah. I understand it. 
Yeah, that's um, a good point. I, I totally get that. So t- let's let's go back. Do you take what do you take from being from Montana? Like you're basically a, a Minnesotan now after all these years. Like I'm basically yeah. an Oregonian. Like yeah, I yeah, lived yeah. in Oregon longer, but we still did 17, 18 oh, years yeah. in Montana. What do you take from that that you still use today? What is, what is the the positive leftover from being having grown up in Montana the way we did? And Kane and I and various guests all have different spins on it. But what's a positive that still comes out? in the Minnesotan Schwab that's grounded in where you grew up. Common sense and being a straight shooter. <laughs> uh-huh. Call a spade a spade. Yes. And I'm telling you, it is half our, our job. Anybody in this industry better would understand this. But really, I mean, I work on the account side. Okay. So work with clients. And we develop marketing plans for the year. Who we're going to target, promotions we're going to have, what we're going to say, how we're going to attract them, positioning, what's different about us versus someone else, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And we work with our creative team to develop materials assets content all this stuff yeah and i'll tell you what i always tell people you should think of yourself as a director of common sense and we hashtag that we, absolutely. <laughs> we get these clients and, and it happens all the time and they'll admit it they come to us and they say we got an idea we got this program we think people are gonna but whatever buy our toothpaste and then they're gonna go online to colgate.com and they're gonna fill out a survey with 32 questions yeah all for the opportunity to win a Colgate NCAA basketball. <laughs> and you got to tell them, and this is where the Montana like, yes. that yes. doesn't make a lick of sense because right. you'll, let's just stop for a minute and put yourself in their shoes of what you're asking these people to do. Like, do you think you would go to that URL on that Colgate bottle and yeah. you would answer 36 questions for a chance to win a, a blue, red, and white Colgate basketball? Right. I mean, oh, no. But that, but that. Do you, why would we do it? Do you find? Then why it, would we do it? So the whole. You find that makes you distinct in a room of people from different places. Yeah. Because of the Montana. It was funny because we were pitching a client. Uh, oh, I don't know, maybe six months ago, a year ago, and um, it was funny. We were in the room. It was a very first meeting. Uh, we had met each other. This was kind of a get to know each other, see if we wanted to work together as we progressed down yeah. this pitch. Yeah. And uh, immediately we're going around the room introducing each other, and. Um, this, this person said, yeah, uh, I don't know how it came up, but she's talking about fishing. And I uh, started talking about fishing and talked about fishing in Montana. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, my God, I'm from Montana. And I was like, oh, I'm from Montana. And then, of course, we kick it off. Of right course, there, right? for sure. And she's a senior level marketer. And she's like, I get it. I love it because you're a straight shooter. And yeah. you don't get into the bullshit. Right. You shoot it how it yeah. is. And that's what we need. Yeah. So, like, it was, I, it that's was a that's such a good point because I think that, you know, I think a lot of times on these, and I'm not saying other people's opinions of what was positive is wrong by any means, but I, I do see that a lot in my profession on the same, like I'm, my program, I believe it's a meritocracy. Like you'll play if you're the best based on what you've done. Mm-hmm. And it's now I've built up analytics and, and met and metrics for our kids, but I'm going to tell you were my, telling me today that you just went to a couple sessions yeah. and you knew within minutes Yes, this presenter might have been saying one thing, and he was full. But based of it. on what this presenter said, three, four minutes later, it was nonsense. completely contradict yes. what he said. He's, he's full of it. Yes, you said you think, and that that's works? your bullshit factor that I swear to you, you he's, get from Montana. I think that's a great point. We have Honestly. a tremendous ability to read bullshit. Yes, you know, I, I, that's don't a great a bullshitter for sure. <laughs> because like, if a kid comes in, I'm going to tell him, like, listen, man, you're not starting. But I think they respect it because they know I've already shown them I've put up the amount of work and I'm showing you all the things yeah. that led to my decision. But it's not going to be this, well, maybe, uh, no. Dude, you're not. 
And you said the other thing that you said, I agree with too. There's times around here, it doesn't matter. I mean, I joke to sit at the table, like I'll be grabbing the candy out of the thing for a client meeting, getting mm-hmm. the water set up, yeah. um, jumping in if we need to hang stuff on the wall yeah. or like clean up something. Yeah. There's no job that's beneath you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And same thing with you. You like, think that's similar to where we're from? Like just, you're going to grind. Oh, absolutely. Like you're going to do the I work. I think look at those jobs. We're like we were sweating, putting, yeah. well, I don't know, making conveyor belts. I was working concrete with... <laughs> Or Ryan Flurry, yes. that was a great job. Yes. I mean, that, that's work ethic. Right, I think right. you learn that work ethic. Um, understand the sweat and what it takes to get a job mm-hmm. done. And, mm-hmm. you know. the, so going from there, um, let's dive into your day-to-day. And I, well, you and I have got to talk about your company and what you've been doing with the Jackson Hole. I don't want you to give away industry secrets, but take me through like a company comes to you or a product or a business mm-hmm. comes to you guys here. What happens? What's it look like? Yeah, usually it's a... Most times these days, it's a pitch process. So for whatever reason, they're working with somebody, they're not happy, um, or leadership changes, something happens, and they, they want to re- reevaluate what they're doing from an advertising okay. standpoint. So they reach out. A lot of times they'll work with a search consultant. Search consultant will say, hey, um, here's a handful of firms around the country that we think you should reach out to. That mm-hmm. would be a good fit. Uh, we'll go through a pitch process in which they kind of give us a little bit of a briefing of what's your business, what are you struggling with. You give them and like then, a sample of what you could do for yeah, them. Yeah, it's a little bit unique. Unfortunately, in our industry, we're the one industry where we'll give, we're gonna we're gonna build the house for you and then show you, you the house uh, and hope you buy the house. Yes, but you already did the work. I More times than not, you don't buy the house. Yeah, it's just statistically the way it is. Yeah, so then we're stuck with a house on our hands, and we just invested. I mean, pitches range. If you add up all the hours and the out-of-pocket costs, uh, they range anywhere from 150 to $2 million that you're investing yes. in the possibility of working with someone. What? Yeah, they're, ela- they're crazy, they're elaborate. This is a sim- very simplistic analogy in my brain that I'm thinking of. So it's, it's similar in a big picture sense to, we gotta print Michigan State wins the title, Virginia wins the title, Texas Tech wins the title, yeah. all in advance, Yeah, in a way. only one of them. I what the so. hell happens to but the shirts? I know the shirts it. are going to. But Southern. you know what the shirts are going to say. The difference is this would be this is it's unlike any other industry. There's yeah, been, there's spoof videos that talk about this, and it's like saying you know uh, I'll try the turkey melt. Sure, give me the turkey. No, I'm not going to pay for it yet. Let me try it. Uh, if I like, I'm going then I'm going to go down the street and try someone else's turkey melt. Yeah, see what they got, and then uh, there's one more shop across the street. And after I try all these turkey melts. I whoever might, I like best, I'll pay for that one. I'll pay for that. No one. way. That's our industry. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. What happens to the houses that don't get bought? All that stuff. It's just an invest. It's all, and then a few times, um, agencies will pay you a nominal amount, like a few thousand dollars yeah. or whatever, uh, of which they claim they own that. They own those ideas. Uh-huh. The savvier agencies will decline that, yeah. not accept that small amount, and, and then co- copyright it. Yeah, yeah. So that oh. they can't ever use the ideas. Um, then you own the idea. So if you another industry person down yeah. the road... You, you or if you think the idea is like, hey, it didn't work. These guys didn't like it, but their, their competitors sure would love this. Right. Uh, then you can try to reach out to them. What when uh, when you mentioned that sometimes they use search firms to find you guys? Yeah. Is that where you have a profile that you guys are great at travel? That yeah, firm yeah. is better. That firm's better at in store. What, what does that look like? That's our thing. I think it's a certain size client that fits us. It's a outdoor industry. We do a lot with food. We do a lot with agriculture. We do a lot with sports. Um, and is this when you say we do a lot? And I think a, there's also a 
style to okay. work, okay. so to speak. That leads right into it. Is your stuff, like you showed me a video that you guys did for one of your things. It's amazing. Is it like Schwab's really good at videos or this person is social media or is it all encompassing for this? We're One of our advantages is that we're a integrated firm, we call it. Okay. And, uh, so we'd offer under one roof, whether you use the services or not, we're at least going to provide you and we're going to be thinking about media, PR, advertising, content, social. All of it in here. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole kit and caboodle. All and the way down to building things and making well, things. I saw that. I saw it. Yeah. That was amazing. A, a, a facility or a area called Hatch where we do a lot of 3D printing and VR and augmented reality mm -hmm. and, and all that type of stuff. What is it in this? And then I think our... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. What is it in this... In this what do you still lean on from either, because you said double major, right? Yeah. We talked a little bit about, you know, your skill sets from just being raised in Montana. What is it from that double major or what is it from being an athlete right. that you lean on still? I think it's all, you know, athlete, work, past work experience. I think there's a tremendous, in my industry, uh, you got to be, you got to be left brain and right brain okay. to really be successful. Yeah. So you got to appreciate and have a, a little bit of a love for the analytics and the business side of it and mm -hmm. the margins and the ROI and all that. But at the same time, you got to also have a huge appreciation for the creativity. Mm -hmm. Thinking of using creativity literally as a strategic weapon mm -hmm. in the workforce. Like you, you think of the brands that you love yeah. right now today. And right. Just in your mind. Got it. Nike. Yeah. I was going to say you're going to say Nike. <laughs> People are going to say Apple. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. People are going to say what you know. Yeah. None of them are doing standard ads and print magazines that say oh our you know features and all this kind of yeah. stuff. It's all big purpose-driven work yeah. uh, that people can relate to. And I, I think that's where advertising has really evolved. There are industry in what we do. And we even hate that we use the word advertising because the first thing you got to be, to be good at advertising, the first thing you have to understand is that everybody in this world hates advertising. So don't give them advertising. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody um, wants to feel like, oh, he's suckering me no. to get in my wallet. Right. But everybody loves uh, a shared purpose, uh, how you're going to make the world better, and stories. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves a story. Yeah. Right? Yes. You get it. Uh -huh. Well, and recruiting. That's what we're talking about. Like we're telling the story of the program. We're yeah. not, nobody wants Nobody wants your box score. Nobody cares how many wins and losses uh -huh. and stats. Yeah. And who cares? Your story and do I fit into it in my mind? Exactly. Yeah. We have a shared uh, purpose, belief, understanding. Do you really get in this job? That's the whole game these days. Does the, does the athlete, does the football player, you were a competitive dude. Do you get that out of this job? Yeah, Even though, you, you know, there's not really a scoreboard, but you get that fix, like, we're going on this pitch. On the pitch, I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, that's completely competitive. Yeah. And you're going, it's funny, like, you go on a pitch, and sometimes you'll literally cross each other in the hallway going into the uh, room where there's a pitch. So you see some of these same yeah, people. Yeah, you, you don't actually see the work, but you'll okay. see the people. Yeah. And a lot of we know each other, so you know who's on what, or yeah. sometimes or who's pitching against you yes. on a certain piece of business. And you're, you're going in there to sell, like, here's my story. I don't know what story they told you, but here's why we think this is right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's really, it's fun. What's the, how do you get better in this? Like, you know, I'm out here for the convention, obviously, and I'm, I'm texting you and sending you pictures from the, con you know, the clinics that I get to go to and hear yeah, people yeah. or see things. What is it for you? How do you get better at it? Is it I paying attention to pop culture? Is it paying, what is it? But yeah, we talk about this too, being, I think, culturally uh -huh. relevant. Yeah. I think understanding, I say here, I think of, if you dial down it, you got to be accountable and you have to have a work ethic and, and all that. But I think one of the things that separates us from a lot of other industries and to be really good as a marketer, mm -hmm. uh, you have to understand, you have to be a little bit of a psychologist. You have to understand people and mm -hmm. you have to be curious in the sense that you got to know what, what makes people tick these days. Yeah. What are they into? Why yeah. are they into that? 
Yeah. Uh, what's so relevant about that? And how today? do I tap into and that? And how do I tap into that okay. and leverage things that are relevant in society uh, and try to correlate that back to a particular brand that you're working on? Yeah. Because a lot of times, all those brands these days are trying to make their mark in the world and make the world a better place. Yeah. So if they're trying to do that, you have to understand what's relevant, what's interesting in the world, and tie those things together. Yeah. Do when the companies come to you and let's say I've got you know I'm I'm trying I'm a I'm a resort place, I have an idea like hey can you guys make us this? Do you ever say no? You're not that. You're this. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, a lot of times they'll come. I mean they'll whether they've been targeting a certain group or they've been saying a certain thing. It's a great opportunity. We kind of start over and say. Maybe there's a different way to do this. Yeah. And the most fun, I mean, the most fun we have is when we come in and say, no, nah, the bigger opportunity, you think it might be mom, it's actually dad. Uh -huh, and here's why uh -huh. this is a bigger opportunity. Yeah. Or, is, that, is that part of your, like, continued growth is, like you, like you mentioned, the, the culturally relevant and the... Um, you know, staying curious to what is making the world go. But is there is there metrics in, like, I, I have a Hoops IQ consult like the guy. I oh, pay him money to we, dive into our numbers. We measure everything. Oh, ABC, oh, ABCD, oh, always be collecting data. ABC testing, ABC testing, yeah. ABCD, FGH, <laughs> Every headline, every message, what's the best subject line. Yeah. What time of day to send the email? And does what, that fit with you? Because then it's cutting the bullshit. Like, that didn't work. To the left and right. So yeah. I think you got to have an appreciation for the analytics. Gotcha. But you can't let the analytics drive everything. It's just yeah. one piece of input. Yeah. And if you only focus on the analytics, you'll have the most dry, boring work ever. Yeah. So that's where you also have to trust your gut on a lot of these yeah. campaigns. And a lot of these things you see today, they don't make logical maybe sense. Yes. Or, you know, that that translated sense. for that. Yeah. There's a, I, I should send this to you. There's a video, I forgot who did this, but it is 60 seconds of a gorilla playing the drums. Yeah. It is the craziest thing you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> and at the end of it, they put up, I think it's Cadbury chocolate. And the company was going in the tank and it was over. Yeah. And that until that saved the company. You look all the way back at, go look at Macintosh, 1984, Super Bowl okay. spot. Okay. They always argue that's the greatest ad of all time, but that was completely, completely different than anything else going on yeah. in the market at the time. Uh, that was the one where they were throwing sledgehammers. Or, oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so different. And the whole ad was like, this is all about us. We're being different. Yeah, and that was launch. Yeah, there's the um, there's the Golden Circle. Are we talking golden about Golden Circle? No. I forgot the name of that. What's his name? I, it doesn't come here right now. But, uh, That's why we got the interwebs in front of us. Golden oh, Circle. The, gold, pull I'm up the it. Golden Circle. I'm on it. And uh, it's pretty interesting premise. And I think... Even your program, you think of it this way. As marketers, the yeah. traditional way of always talking about what you do is... Is it say, Simon Sinek? Yeah, Simon yes, Simon Sinek. Yes, yeah. yes. Have you watched this? I, I don't know if I've watched that one, but I've, he's the guy that talked to me about... And I want to get this to the next segment with you, and we're going to talk about different generations and what makes them tick. But he's the one that I watched. They know the base, and they know the summit. They don't know the climb. Yeah. Yeah. So his whole thing is... Start with the why. What, how, why. Okay. So he says every mistake, most marketers, most companies, most brands all across America say uh, what they make. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're a computer company. Yeah. And our computers are faster. We make them in a way that they're faster and have more RAM and have more blah, blah, yeah. blah than anyone else. Okay. Want to buy one. And that's where, they, that's where it stops. Yeah. And what he says is you start with the why. So with like an Apple, and a lot of folks marketing will tell you this, is Apple's whole thing is... I've, I don't know the exact line, but it's all about, uh, we think 
everything in this world should be challenged and looked at in a different way mm-hmm. and that there may be a better solution. Yeah. We drive ourselves to making like the most beautiful, easy to use innovative uh, tools new. in the world. No, and they don't talk about the stats and the, the change, RAM. Yeah. And, the and at the end of the day, they'll say, and it happens to be this computer. You want yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to change the world? Right. Or buy one of these? Buy a fast computer. Or do you want to buy a fast computer? That and that's the whole game. Yeah. How so does you, this... you got to get to your, but you also, you got to get to your why, you got to get to your purpose. No different. Your program. Yeah, for sure. You got to sell your why. You can't say, oh, we were we were 13 and 12. No. That's not it. No, you got to yeah. say, well, you're bigger. How are you making this world a better place? Yeah. But then these days, everyone's pretty savvy. I mean, consumers are really savvy. You got the internet. Yeah. They can check things out. They can investigate pretty quickly. Yeah. So you better back it up and you better be doing it. Yeah. And are you putting your money where your mouth is? And are you actually taking action out there in the world? How so does So you got this... an Audi company, Audi cars saying, oh, we're all about, it was funny, two years ago, I think it was, they ran a Super Bowl spot. Said, we're all about equality, female, male, uh, you know, and they had yeah. some Super Bowl ad that was all about a girl. I think she was racing a box car down the hill against Good. a boy. Oh, yes, yes. Boy. Yeah. I looked at their executive suite. Okay. Do you know how many males were on that executive suite? All of them? 12 out of 13 were males. The one was the head of HR. And people can go find that like that and call you on your bullshit. That's bullshit. How's this job work? Because I want to give you a chance before we take a break, bring Kane on, and then go to your other segment. We want to start with you. How's this work for the fam? Tell us about the fam. How are the, how's your job structured for you know the balance we all try to find? Oh, yeah, that's a big... It, you know, it, I got a chance to hang out with the fam, your wife, Jill, the three kids. Tell us about them. Tell us about the, how you... Yeah, it's The struggle. Time. We have a... Uh, my wife's Jill, and we have a 7, 5, and 2-year-old. Two 2-year-olds two mm-hmm. are the oldest, and a boy is the youngest. So that's a big, what we strive around here is really trying to create a work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our big selling points when we're trying to recruit people or get people to come here. So mm-hmm. um, you're still going to have, I think more than anything, you talked about nine to five earlier. Yeah. There's a, I don't know necessarily, there's a little bit of an expectation that you're here during normal hours. Uh, but more than anything these days, I think you're just got to be responsive and accountable mm-hmm. at nine to five. Gotcha. Um, but as far as getting your work done these days... I think this whole... There's nobody over your shoulder going, are you working? Are no, you working? No. Are you there's working? no check-in. There's no yeah. time. There's nothing like that whatsoever. We're yeah. much more of a culture of like, hey, you know what has to get done, you get it done. Mm-hmm. Whether that happens at 11 o'clock to 1 a.m. Right. Whether that happens at 6 a.m., yeah. whenever you want to do it. Now, if someone has a question during normal work hours and needs to reach out to you or get something from you, you got to be accountable That's the that. accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we don't, you know, I mean, if you need to work from home or you need that, like oil changes, appointment, that's all. Like, yeah. Totally fine. Come and go as you see fit. Because, I mean, I know as a a fellow member of the Three Offspring Club, you're needed there as well, right? Yeah, Yeah. so then, I mean, you got emergencies, you got to run home. Travel's not too bad. I think some accounts, you can get caught doing Mm -hmm. a lot of travel. Yeah. But typically, you're in and out in a day or two. Mm Mm-hmm. So that can be a little Is your though. job, because it's so interesting in the pitches you're doing, is that an easy conversation starter with you and Jill? Like, well, hey, she knows. I mean, you're not on a ton of pitches. We, yeah. we kind of spread it out around here. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in the new business department, a few people. But for the most part, uh, you might be on two, three, four big pitches. Yeah. And everybody knows. Your family kind of knows. That's probably when you're in season. Yes, for sure. Like Whitworth Games yeah, coming yeah. out. So you're yeah. going to know like those two, three weekends and those... That entire week or two weeks leading up to that pitch, mm-hmm. you're going to be in the office till ten and like and ten at night, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, checking in. Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, but then it's over, mm-hmm. and it goes back to a little bit of a normal routine, and then 
you know, two, three months later, you might have another one. Right. When the kids ask you what you do, how do you explain it? Like, mine's easy. They love I coach yeah, basketball. They have, they have oh, do you, Dad? They have <laughs> we have a job that you can't explain to your family, yeah, your yeah. friends. They don't. And it's like, I don't know. And they think I make TV commercials. Right. So we show them some videos and they think, like, like, oh, oh, good job. Oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I think that they they love coming to the office. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a welcoming space. I can see. Like, yeah. there's a big difference. It's funny. Lizzie was here Friday. Okay. So yes, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Thursday, she came in and um, yeah, it was fun. So she was in here for like three, four hours. Jill had something going on, but set her up. She was coloring. Mark, this is like a dream with art supplies, right? Oh like, yes, because you got everything. Just go pens and you got whiteboards and everywhere. Yeah, just do whatever you yeah. want. Videos here, you know, whatever. Netflix, knock yourself out. Scooters, yeah. we got. Scooters and dogs, and every day there's, you know, we got two, three people bringing a dog in. On yeah, given I, day, I saw that. Yeah, uh, which is fun. So we got bikes you can ride around, ping pong, foosball. Mm-hmm. And you got cakes. We're too busy. Not for your daughter. Beer, not but for you got- <laughs> We're too busy to play and drink, but others can enjoy. Yeah. If there, last question for this segment with you. If there's a young person out there, yeah, go back to you when you were doing run around getting drenched for informationals. Yeah. How do you tell them to get here? What is it? You have to, whatever company you're trying to get into, you have to, uh, my opinion is, that learn everything you can about that company. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. Understand what they're doing, what they're working on, what are they saying, what are the articles they're publishing, what's their social feed look like, what are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then if you like, like it mm-hmm. or appreciate that, then you know, keep pursuing it and then talk to everybody you possibly can mm-hmm. you know, at that company. I really like when you Network. mentioned when you were on a, an informational coffee. Yeah, you didn't leave there. You didn't necessarily leave there with a job. You left there with two more calls to make. To yeah, never close the door. I always try to get two, three more phone calls or connections that you could make to mm-hmm. talk to someone else. Yeah, uh, and it's you just got to keep, and then you got to keep on it. Don't just have an inter- you know, have an informational interview and then disappear. Yeah, follow up. You know, send a thank you card. Yeah, send an actual card. That's, this is nuts. How much our stuff crosses over? Maybe that's just in general. Like, yeah, dude, life's pretty similar. And we we always like to look at our differences, but it's pretty similar. Oh yeah. Today at one of the one of the clinics this morning, the guy said, "Are you fertilizing relationships? Okay. All of us plant seeds. Yeah. Nobody fertilizes." And I was that's like, a great oh point. My God, he's so right. Yeah, right. I followed up on like two texts from people I had. I've no. left. I've left in limbo for like two days. Like, oh, I'm such a dick. Let me yeah. get this. I got to fertilize. Oh. And things have changed these days. Like you, we are now. I think before, and we still get a ton of resumes and all that. But I mean, internships where you get 500 resumes across yes. the country for an internship. Now, I mean, it's a little bit more, if we want the best, that's fine. But if you want the best, you got to go seek out the best. Yeah. So then you invite them over to events, parties you're having. Maybe mm-hmm. you're having a speaker come in. Yeah. Get them over here and yeah. um, talk to them, you know, that whole game. And it's it's just constant nurturing yes, relationship, yes, I yes. think, and publishing and staying in touch. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, Kane's going to join me. We're going to react to a lot of the stuff Schwab talked about here, which is kind of your origin story and, and what you're doing. But Cross the Streams podcast is back. Kane is joining me. Hopefully you had a chance uh, before skipping forward in this segment uh, to the interview we just did, a Hometown hero segment with a longtime friend of ours, Mike Schwab, uh, Billing Skyview, class of 97, now in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, which is basically like, hey, I live in the Heights, but really I'm from Billings, so that's like you know, <laughs> Minneapolis. Uh, yep. We just did a long interview with him about his career in marketing and advertising with Collie McBoy. Um, Kane, before we dive into this, man, it's been, we did the, uh, we did the segment with, we did the fantasy draft, but really we yeah. haven't been able to do our standard interview and reacts in like a year, I feel like. <laughs> it has been a while, 
for a react segment, man. It's, which is, I, I take complete blame. I'll shoulder the blame. Percent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no getting around that. It, life kind of throws different things at you, and, and next thing you know. There's a lot of stuff on my schedule, but like I tell my players, no excuses, no explanations. Yes. I got to find time, you know. Bottom line, so that's 100 percent on me. I'll make up for it. Get some a bunch of reacts, and, and I'll be over the top with my coaching voice and other things within this segment. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, obviously, like most people know, since we've been shooting this like uh, taping se- season three, you've got your wife and you moved back to Bozeman. You're back yeah. coaching. You're the DC at Montana State, and while your podcast minutes have gone down. In Correct. terms of appearances, I do feel like your social media game has stepped up since you went back to Bozeman. You got all these videos now. You got all these <laughs> things you're doing. Used to be just a retweeter guy. You got more yeah. content now. I do. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I feel like it's part of the the world that we live in now. We've had this discussion on this on this pod before, where it's a necessity yeah. as a coach in in today's world and today's, especially in the recruiting game to have some sort of presence on social media just is what it is yeah and as much as i and you both have said that we don't like to promote and we don't like to you know uh brand ourselves to a certain extent you almost have to and you got to find a way to stay in the game or you you'll end up getting passed up which is the unfortunate thing right but it's the reality so if you can't beat them you got to join them right and the great thing though for my situation is i've got instant Video. Um, you got content on dismay. I've got on, content. Yeah. I've got content basically based on my daughter. If I don't know if yes. you noticed, but oh, majority of my yep. uh, majority of my videos, gifts, and other things happen to be my daughter doing crazy things <laughs> or inspiring things, yes. or whatever else. And it just it, it fits right now. So I'm yes. just gonna roll with it as long as I can. Well, I think you should. And, uh, yeah, what do you have a uh, like my wife is really good on insta and insta story right uh, i yeah, feel like yeah. my strength is more the twitter like twitter polls and stuff putting up and some some gifs on there as well you got yep. one you you're leaning towards more like i saw you you guys are back in billings the staff and you're like doing you're in a stance in a black with a green screen and you're like you're doing crazy <laughs> stuff yeah, no, and that's all our video people. I have nothing to do with that one. They just tell but, you to well, show up. Yeah, they just tell you. We showed up early in the morning, early morning uh, last week or the week before. They and they completely directed us, like told, like legitimate film directors told us where they wanted this, how to, what movements they they wanted. All I had to do was just pretend that I was actually still a defensive back. Well, I saw your stance. And, it looked uh, good. Looked yeah, good. man. Shoot, hey. If I'm going to coach it, I might as well be able to do it, right? <laughs> and so uh, so that's all I ended up doing. And then they just threw it all together. It turned out awesome. Yeah. It turned out awesome. And then we're on the, in the midst of our what we call our Bobcat Blitz and, and sending all of our coaches throughout the state. And we've got our own little competition going as far as Twitter feed. I saw you. You're getting offers today. I, that was my – that was my um, – which that was my angle I was going with. I tried to figure out something different. I didn't want to just do the usual. Hey, thanks for uh, have taking your time, whatever. I kind of flipped it because there's so many kids nowadays that put out these blessed to receive an offer, blessed to mm-hmm. receive a invitation at junior day or an invitation to camps, things of that nature. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna jump in that same game, and uh, I'm gonna. 
just be blessed to have received an offer to come back to the school and recruit. I thought it was great. I thought it was uh, that was a really cool because you're not lying. And this is kind of something it, it jumps me to another topic, another branch. Because across the streams is kind of like, are we like a record label now? Because we got so, so many offshoots. We've got Listen Up. We've got Hometown Heroes. We've got Crack the Egg. We yep. and we want to start another one called Staff Meeting. Uh, where Kane and I, you know, because obviously as coaches, all coaches know other coaches. We want to bring yep. guys from our same sports, but also guys and gals from different sports and just sit down and have roundtable discussions like we always have to do anyway in these staff meetings about stuff in the industry, maybe stuff that people don't know about coaching, maybe stuff they do know that they just want our takes on. But that flipping it, receiving an offer, because that is a part of what we do. Like even at Division Three, when we get done with a visit – there's a component, if you're a good enough player and high enough on our board, I'm going to leave you with an image that I send to you. We're yep. offering you a guaranteed roster spot. And that's yep. huge. And two seconds later, the kid's going to put it up. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's just, again, like I said, this this is part of what we do now. It's just yep. is what it is. You can't fight it. You can't complain about it, although I have over the course of however many years. Yeah. Um, but it just is what it is. It's the world that these kids live in and grow, are growing up in. And I, I would imagine I would have been doing the same thing at that age if this had been alive back. Oh, for sure. We were going through and going through the whole recruiting process and all that. You would have, you would have done. You would have been quick to do the same thing. We mm. just didn't have the opportunity to do that, right? Yeah. And it's, so there's another. Uh, this is a fun, funny thing from season one. We had Nick Lawson from Squad Sports on, an expert in digital fan experience. Uh, got the Los Angeles Rams, got the Portland Winterhawks, got a little bit of action with the Oregon Ducks. It's a lot of stuff, and he's the forefront of you know social media, social media marketing, marketing and targeting. He told me that you know when you see like a player that let's say you guys offer somebody, and he puts yep. up I'm down to my top five, and there's pictures of him in five different uniforms, right? Yeah. Helmets. Same thing on the basketball end, down to my top three, and it's the kid in action. Maybe he's got an Oregon, Kentucky, and Seton Hall shirt on. There's high schoolers with Photoshop expertise that are now making a ton of money. Not the, not the recruits. Their buddy that's good at Photoshop is getting paid to make those edits wow. and post that for him. He said it's a whole like underground economy. So apparently there's a kid that had, you know, he did Odell Beckham's eight years ago. And because Odell Beckham tagged him and said, I got my this from at johnnymakesphotoshop.com, now yeah. that kid gets, you know, 70% of the top 100 make their edits through him. Yeah. So he's yeah. got like a million followers and now gets advertising for his Twitter and Instagram. Wow. That's, See? that's big time. Like, that's big time. And that's, and again, like I said earlier, with the credit to uh, our video staff and film crew that did our little video that we put out mm -hmm. there on Twitter today it was the same thing at the University of Washington where there's a crew of guys uh, that put a lot of this stuff together for them as well right. and you watch their Twitter feed, their Instagram feed and it is all them putting all this stuff out and as coaches all we gotta do is either retweet or take it from the email they send us and put it out there and then the same thing with these edits that we've got people that on our staff that just create edits and yeah. just use their creativity and it's it's the stuff they come up to uh, come up with is amazing it's yeah. uh, it's absolutely like i saw one the other day from the university of washington that obviously building off of the game of the thrones uh momentum going into uh, coming off of this weekend they put one out with 
Coach Peterson riding on a dragon. Oh, that's amazing. And spewing purple rain <laughs> from the dragon all over the... It, it was like, oh my... I mean, it's it's so creative. Yeah. And it's so... And it kind of leads us into the Schwab interview as For far sure. as marketing. It's just staying in touch with... Uh, what's going on in the real world, what's going yep. on in life. Yep. So you're staying relevant with everything all the time. Yes. Great intro into the interview we did. Um, you know, I thought that really stood out with Schwab when he talked about it because it made me think of our jobs too and maybe even to some extent teachers and educators. Anything that forces you to interact with, say, 25 and under on a daily basis yep. I think uh, probably an offshoot that you don't think about is it does kind of refresh you or at least explore. Uh, ex- man, I'm not as smart as I once was, everyone. Exposes you to whatever cultural currency you need to be able to speak nowadays. Yes. Yes. 100%. And isn't that like, and you can run into people, um, I think, that maybe have a different job or wherever they're at day-to-day, they don't get that constant youth infusion. Even people with kids, I don't think that that's necessarily enough because you can no. set the rules in your house, right? And you can say, like, we're not watching YouTube in my house. We're not doing X yeah. in my house. And you yeah. keep and, that stream away. And or your kids aren't going to allow you to be a part of that as oh, they get older. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can recall back in our day, I mean, it's not like we were, we were trying to keep mom and dad up to what was happening as far as the music world and all that stuff, but it's still not necessarily, like, the coolest thing in the world if your parents are uh, speaking the same language as you. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if... I don't think I ever want to do that as, as Ava continues to grow older. I'm going to try and stay hip and cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that's... Hip and cool is not even cool words anymore, but... <laughs> But at the same time, I don't know if I want to be that dad that's overdoing it and trying too hard to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would? Like, do you think it's? Do you think it's a matter of trying because you want to be cool with your kid, or just because you're going to have to recruit? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I have to be um, up on it and make sure that I know what's happening, like the new trends, fads, yeah. and, and the new lingo that's out there, and, and you're just naturally going to hear it. In, and if you're not asking questions, then you're probably not doing your job very right. well. Because, and we had this conversation as a staff, man, where these kids want to feel connected to you somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different than it used to be back in the, uh, our day, at least I, from my experiences. Uh, I didn't necessarily need to have a relationship with my coach or have that really tight connection with my coach. I just needed him to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was I was good with that. Yeah. I didn't need him to, I didn't, I didn't need really feel the need to connect with him on a whole different level outside of the field. If my coach was calling me away from normal football hours, something was probably wrong. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily like that. And vice versa. Yeah. Right? Whereas I feel like that's a little bit different nowadays. For sure. And maybe... Yeah. No, 100%. I think I think part of the interesting talk on this same, you know, cultural currency and what do you, how far do you have to go? Because I'm still not getting in my car and bumping little Uzi Vert or however you say his name. Uh, but there's there's definitely some newer stuff that I do have in the rotation, you know. But I'm still going to revert yeah. back to. But I don't think Mom was ever getting in her car with Tupac. I mean, she hadn't let us listen to it, but she was probably yeah. choosing Alabama or Elvis or something, you know. Yeah, no doubt. You know, the classic Motown stuff that we used to jam out to all the time. Right. But 
I would I will give mom and dad credit for this, but that they did allow us to pop our cassettes in and for sure. would um, say, Hey yeah, no, this is this is good. Yeah. Or they would flat out tell us this is this is absolute bullshit. Take this out of our cassette <laughs> player right now. Yeah. But um yeah, no, it's we have to within our job and similar to Schwab and, and within the marketing advertising, I love how he was talking about how you don't say advertising, but yeah. Um, within our the realm in which we live, we mm-hmm. have to stay up on this stuff as much as we possibly can and stay relevant to the styles and the new things, or else it's gonna it will be hard for us to find that connection with the players. Yeah, and or either whether it's recruiting and or the guys you already have on campus. For sure, the I thought it was really interesting. I thought he had a great analogy when he talked about the what do you call it a tuna melt. Or a turkey melt, yeah, yeah. the turkey yeah. melt, where he described yeah. the business of marketing as they're all they're going to eat turkey melts, but only pay for one of them that they like. Is that similar to recruiting? I just I was just going to say that man, that is because how much money do you think you spend on each individual student athlete? As you really, if, if they're really one of your top prospects, yeah. or, or kids that you want on your board, right? It's not going to be the multi millions of dollars like. Uh, Essentially, ad agencies or firms, marketing firms, spend on a right. pitch. It's still a significant amount of your recruiting budget. It's, well, you could even do that in terms of life capital—the amount of hours you put into a child. Yes. You yes. know, the the typing, the writing, the calling, the texting, the visit. Yeah. Exactly, and you, that's a lot, a lot of investment that you're putting in, and you're not necessarily guaranteed the return on your investment. Yeah. That's, yes. in, in fact, in fact, the percentage is probably very small right? when it's all said and done. But yet you're, you're spending a lot of time trying to find the right pitch, trying to find the right exact uh, thing that you think is going to get this guy to buy into what, and again, we're not selling anything, but mm-hmm. to buy into the experience that we're trying to provide them. Yeah. You're, you're kind of selling the vision, right? Yeah, Four years. To a certain extent. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I thought it was interesting, and obviously, I mean, everybody listening to the podcast knows my love of metrics, analytics, anything that can measure, right? What gets measured yep. gets done. And how yep. he talked about they have a number on everything, and they can yep. use that to show you, you know, 62 to 64-year-olds will watch this at this time of this day and buy at this rate. Um, <laughs> you, know, obvi- you know, analytics, we always think of it as a sports thing. But obviously, yep. businesses, it's even more important financially to know what, when, and where you're supposed to be selling yeah, no, I, I was going to hit on that myself. Just And the part that I really liked from him was when he said, you can't base it solely on analytics. Like if yeah, you yeah, the balance. Your, yeah, man, you got to have a balance, whether of the, what the analytics are really telling you and just your overall feel, trust your gut, trust your heart, trust your past experiences, all those things that you've built up. Mm-hmm in order to allow you to make certain decisions without necessarily relying solely on analytics or else what are we doing? Like there's yeah. no, there's no human form to, there's no human yeah. uh, touch to it. And now so it's like, well, what freaking computers can do our job. Yeah. 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 The, you know, I thought it was a contrast to ours and maybe we're even unique in the profession we chose. I thought he did a great job laying out the struggle to get into the job. You know, he's yeah. selling bailing twine. He's sell, you know, he's going to all these informationals. You know, maybe we just got lucky being able to step right into assistant roles at our, at our alma mater. 
but I thought about the grind of other people we know and like me having coming back from the convention and just seeing that I think I, I got really fortunate to not have to go through that process even in teaching I got my high school I got my job as a high school teacher a two weeks after graduating with an MAT from the grad school so I think I've just mm-hmm. I, I got real lucky not having to do that yeah I would, I would agree in our case we were kind of not necessarily fell in anything but we didn't have to go necessarily jump through some of the hoops that you may have to in this profession right now with that being said the one thing i did write down as he was going through kind of that what what the hell was it logistics officer or operator yeah. or whatever yeah when he was moving trucks oh across God. the country yeah, exactly this, and, and some of those things and just some of the headaches that come with some of the jobs that you may have to take in order to get yourself where you want to it made me think of when i was the film slash video coordinator at msu yeah as a young coach Uh, That was kind of the role of, hey, young guy, here's something to really get you going in this profession. Um, Really, it was the job that no one else wanted because it it, it entailed so many just small little freaking battles every day as far as having the film crew ready to go for practices, games, the film exchange with opponents. This all this stuff back in the day that was so much harder because it was all based on mail. Yeah, that's true. But I just remember some of the hours that I would have to spend post-game and, and Sunday mornings trying to get all these things logistically uh, dialed and right so that it was smooth as far as all the exchange stuff. And it just was like, yeah, I get it. Some of the things that you go through as a young coach is very similar to some of these other professions that you may have to dive into and do some of the grunt work initially in order to get yourself where you want to get to. Right. The what else stood out to you? You know, you mentioned you had some notes. What else stood out to you? I want to dive in later um, to the actual workplace, what it looked like. But what what did you yeah. have first? Uh, so I really liked the in person connection stuff that he was talking about, as far as just how he building his own network, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And how he followed kind of, up everything with who yeah. else can I call? Yeah. Yeah, and just kind of. I'm not sure he used the term fertilizing related. Whatever, yes, he did for sure. He said, yeah. "For everybody, plant seeds. Who's yep. fertilizing them?" That was a great. Who's one. actually who's actually fertilizing those relationships, man? Because I know that's one thing I struggle with, and I had kind of given myself a goal this year was to connect, communicate, and connect were the two words that I kind of put wrote down for myself. Mm-hmm. And because that's just that communicate and that connecting and maintaining those connections is so hard as you get going in your own yep. life and all these trials and tribulations that are coming at you daily and everything that you have to do on a regular basis to find time throughout your day to continue to fertilize certain connections and relationships. Yes. It's important in anything you're doing. It is just freaking hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And so that's another way to put it as far as that fertilizing, planting seeds and fertilizing, um, I thought that was really cool. I thought about it and I used it and it was completely because I think I just got done texting you confirming when we were going to do the reacts. And then I thought to myself, oh God, I I really like what Schwab said. And I said, I don't want to leave somebody in text or voicemail limbo where, you know, as coaches, we get all these texts or all these emails or voicemails that we never return and or forget to return. So I was on a campus. I had to go across campus. So on my way across campus, I called somebody back. That's just a friend that I haven't talked to in a while. But I had left him in return limbo for two weeks. Then I had another person call me asking about job openings on the staff. And I don't have any. 
But I said, remember when you were that guy and oh, nobody yeah. called you back? At least you were actually happy when somebody called you and said, I don't have anything. Cross us off, but I'll keep your number. You much exactly. prefer that, right, than just I never heard back? Yep, exactly. 100%. The, I thought it was interesting. So let me ask you this. Having been now Montana State, having been UW, the layout of the office. Do you think yeah. there's anything you guys could do or one was better than the other mm. in terms of functionality? Because I've been in yeah. three offices in our department and had different setups in each. And I can guarantee you my one I'm at now is way better than the previous versions. And I'll, But what about you? Yeah. Well, obviously it's hard to compare with UW and to MSU just based off of resources and things of that nature. Um, The one thing I will say, though, is that there's so much space at UW that there's sometimes a little bit of a break of connectivity. Just because you're so far apart? Because you're just so far apart. Yeah. It's a little, I mean, it's almost a workout to, you can get your thousand steps in just blocking down to the other end of the office. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, you know, MSU, we're obviously just by how it's set up, we're right on top of each other. Yeah. And so having private conversations isn't necessarily uh, available to us all the time. Yeah. But there's still, there's some positive aspects of being able to find that connection and just walk two steps and step into a person's office and actually get some face-to-face uh, conversations mm-hmm. and build relationships in that regard. Yeah. Uh, I think another big thing for us going forward for MSU in order for us to really give the experience we want for our student athletes, we've got to get our meeting spaces figured out. Mm. Give me an example. Because, well, we're just constant. We don't have really the, like at UW, they have, so everyone has their office. Each coach has their office. And there's the defense, offensive staff, the full staff. But then underneath, they also have meeting rooms that are separate from those offices where you have a whiteboard, film, chairs and tables for the players to sit and write, take notes. Um, Everybody has their own position room. They have a big defensive staff, a big full staff meeting room. And so you just have a very good learning environment. It's like legitimate classrooms. You got your own office, and then you got your basic classroom. We don't have that here at MSU. Mm -hmm. We don't have specific classrooms set apart for our coaches to go and be able to create a great learning environment for their guys as far as the meetings are concerned. Yeah. And I mean, we've got some space that we use, but as soon as there's something going on in the field house, guess what? Spaces yeah. are unavailable. And now we got to somehow make it work within our small little office area. Right. And, or just remove ourselves completely from the field house and go somewhere else where now we've got just logistically speaking can be a nightmare because you got to find a screen, a yeah. projector, a laptop and, I mean, it's just there's so much to it that it makes it a little bit harder, and it just is one of those things adversity wise that you guys you just battle through and make work. Yeah. But you can make life so much easier for everybody, specifically the student athletes, if we Do just Do you have think it's space. accurate to some that? Because I think you're getting on what I really noticed about Schwab's work environment in, uh, you know, Colleen McVoy, the work environment yep. there. Two two floors. But I felt like it in there, there was never a reason that you couldn't grab an idea from your brain and get yep. it posted somehow. 
because it's yeah. all open. There's idea boards either with like your old school. I'm going to pin this paper up on this board. They've got the whiteboards where you write some. They've got the clear windows that kind of slide and you yep. can write on the window. All of them, you know, the technology is everywhere. So digital share. Um, yep. And I feel like sometimes in certain spaces, if you can't get ideas out invisible, you can't share them effectively. So that yeah. kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like, how am I going to get the film exposed if I don't have a screen, if I don't have a wall, if I don't have a classroom? But yeah. it also at their place, it was such a – it just felt like a modern community. And that just sounds like a tagline to something. But it was like anywhere you went. Like if I was in the studio, the literally the sound studio where Schwab and I were recording, I felt connected to where they had the dog leashes for if you brought your dog to work. To where they, you know, you went to their hatch where they're doing 3D printing. It was all this, it was almost like, this is going to sound crazy to people, Beartooth Elementary, open elementary plan. Where there oh, yeah. wasn't doors, there was some kind of walls. There's just a lack of ceiling to floor separator. Yep, yep. You can see, kind of like your eye line is clear all the way across. Yep. So that yeah, that just that visual itself for me, I, I just felt like it's such a welcoming, welcoming place. And they had their meeting rooms where, I mean, they had, you know, I'm sure all the big deals went down, but even those were completely see-through. Like yeah. it was all glass with a view. Of down. It was, I, I, it's hard. We'll put up some pictures on our Instagram and we'll put up some pictures on our Twitter uh, of the space because I just took a ton of shots of it. Uh, but I felt like, you know what, I could just, uh, I'll go ahead and work here. You know, yeah. it just it was a different feel than the office I go to and I'm you know we're coaches so we're lucky like our office isn't the same as a stereotypic office but, yeah still yeah the and I think I think it does I mean they had an idea here at their place where they got bikes there's like old-fashioned like newsboy bikes that people ride around is that insane <laughs> like somebody probably proposed that and they were like what but they went with it yeah. I don't even know yeah. what we would do if a coach was riding up and down the hallways of the athletic department yeah, <laughs> I, just think that, I just think that's so cool. Just the the outside the box thinking, yes. And I think that's that is kind of where it's a little bit lacking in our profession to a certain extent, where mm -hmm. it's hard for anyone to buy into anything new if it's so far outside of the realm of what's been yeah. done before. Yeah, and um, I think there's there's some validity to trying to really step out of the box in more ways than one. Within yep. our profession. For sure. Well, I mean, that speaks to, I mean, even take a look. I went to your place when you first got to UW and I stole the concept of the whiteboard table. And yeah, that changed right. our entire office dynamic. I mean, you guys yeah. had it. And now we are on that circle table all the time. And it's just a different yep. feel to where we can work together as opposed to I'm at my desk. I'll hold up a whiteboard and write this down, you yep. know, or I'll write it down on a scratch piece of paper. So yep. I, I think those little things matter. What, what else from you from the Schwab interview? Um, I thought one thing that I, that popped in my mind as far as just the – you guys were talking about kind of find that balance and just their schedule mm -hmm. and how basically get your work done. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your availability from 9 to 5. But when it's all said and done, if you got to work from home, if you got to do this, you got to do that. And I think that's an awesome concept, and I wish that was the case for us. Mm-hmm. But and I think it kind of it can be, but the problem for us, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, is our availability is not just nine to five. No, we uh -huh. have to be available literally twenty four hours a day. Yeah, 
because of just the nature of our business mm-hmm. and who we're dealing with and who we're, we're there for as far as our student-athletes. And, and so it's just that part of it. There's part of me that's jealous to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's in a true 9-to-5 where, hey, at 5 o'clock is kind of an unsaid deal where, hey, don't call me. It's past 5. Yeah. Yeah, and that would that would not go over well in any of the coaching realms. And <laughs> could, yeah. could you imagine if you came into a, a meeting with your student athletes like, "Hey, guys, I'm I'm here, nine to five, I'm there for you. <laughs> Past five or before nine, don't call, don't text, don't email, don't anything. Yeah, okay, that's just how I work. Do you ever get and and Kelly and I were having this discussion because as a network marketer. Um, you know, she, her phone is ringing triple, even mine for during recruiting and season. And I asked her last night, I said, do you think it's sustainable to be on call at the, for the amount of time both of us are, is it sustainable to just be, you know, and people talk about turn off your notifications. People talk about, you know, put your phone in another room and maybe I'm just not, I haven't tried that yet. The physical removal of it. But yeah. it is like, I'm not very good at filtering what needs to be answered now and what can't. Like, they can get a hold of me, but I really don't need to give them an answer until 8 a.m. And yeah. maybe that's just a skill we, we develop. I, <laughs> to answer the first question, I don't think it's sustainable. Yes, it's not. It's not. It's not. I don't think it's healthy, man. Right. I really don't. I don't think it's healthy to have to be really available that much all the time when you have other things in life that I think eventually have to start to be more of a priority for you, mm-hmm. depending upon where you are in life. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just don't think that's a sustainable deal. I really don't. I think you've got to still find that balance to where, okay, I'm going to give myself however many hours throughout the day, whatever your your profession is or whatever. And then there's got to be a, there's got to be a cutoff point right. to a certain extent, whether it's in life, like for us, it's like, okay, I'm now at the stage of my career where I've got to just cut this out. I got to I got to do something else. Yeah. Because I can't sustain this type of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and or you find within this career a way to, to turn your phone off, put your phone away, schedule certain times where your phone is down. No matter what happens for those two hours. Yeah. That is not you are not answering the phone. Like for example, if I'm going to be at Disneyland with the family. Yeah. I don't want to be answering a, a recruits direct message on Twitter right. while I'm trying while I'm in line at Space Mountain. I right. just don't think that's that's healthy. It's not gonna be it's not gonna hurt or it shouldn't hurt that recruit's feelings if you go like a day later. Yeah. Hey, sorry man, I was with my family at Disneyland. There is definitely but, false urgency and I think we create it. Yes. We create it and for ourselves. Hundred percent we do. Yep. There's no question we do. The you know and that's probably maybe that's that's a great topic for staff meeting. Um, but yep. that's also like, wouldn't you pay? I would pay for that clinic. Now, in our profession, everyone is addicted to talking about or proving that they grind harder. And the reason yes. they won is the number of hours. I yep. would pay a lot of money to sit down with a great, i say it's Chris Beard. And I have no idea if it's Chris Beard. I'm just using a currently today's hottest name in college basketball coaching, Texas Tech's coach. Yep. Or Tony Bennett. And they said, hey, guys, I'm going to do a clinic called False Urgency and tell you specifically how I turn off at certain times. Yep. But I, I think people would be scared to death to do that clinic because they'd be worried that somebody would make it seem as if they were lazy. Yep. 
And I, I mean, yep. I haven't won enough to do that clinic, but if I ever am fortunate enough to win enough games, I promise you, I'm going to sell the hell out of that DVD. By then, it won't <laughs> be a DVD, but I'm going to yep. hopefully figure it out. Like, here's the examples of texts from people that must be answered then. Here's examples yep. of texts that you can send back later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll answer that. Monday morning during normal working hours. Exactly, because I think there is, but we definitely do it to ourselves. Hey, before we move in, we want to jump into some other topics, uh, you know, current event topics. My last thing that I thought was interesting, which I think probably applies to you uh, in Montana State and myself driving a program and trying to get people to buy in what you're doing. He talked about purpose-driven work, that section about you don't want to buy a fast computer. You want to buy a computer because it's changing the world. And I thought that was a really cool way of looking at so many different aspects. But it makes sense. Like, I want to buy into a product. Like, I was all in on the Kaepernick thing, not because of the shirts. No. Right? I just felt like I I was protesting something I believed in with Cap. Yes. And that's why I wanted to represent that. Then that was the price I was willing to pay. Yep. Yep. And I've actually, I've read that book by, uh, well, who was it? Simon Sinek. Yeah. Simon, yeah. He's got a couple of those books. The one, the first one was just find your why. Yeah. And you know the golden circle that Schwab was talk, talking about. And I've watched his, um, what you call it? One of his TED talks. Yes, there you go, TED talks. When he talked about the golden circle, and then the book, find your why. It's really good, man. It's really, I, I, I try and follow that as much as I can when mm-hmm. it comes to just finding, really finding the purpose in everything you're doing. Yep. And not, not just the what. But really, the starts with the why, and then you kind of just build from there. And it's, I think it's really good stuff. The he gave, and he didn't have the, uh, you know, he couldn't actually share the video with us. You know, I watched it in his office of what they've done for Jackson Hole. And you and I are familiar with Jackson Hole. You know, it's in our region. Um, it's a tourist destination. But they didn't sell on there. Hey, we've got a great three hundred ninety nine dollar package. They sold. You should come here because the world doesn't want you to be wild anymore. And this yeah. is where you can get back to your human need to be free. You know? Meanwhile, you're going to buy a cappuccino. You're going to rent skis. You're going to, you know, you're going to spend all this money. But you're not thinking about that. You're just going wild. And I yeah. thought that was just a really cool illustration and powerful of what marketing can do. Because it is. It's just another trip. You could take the same trip to Red Lodge or Mount Bachelor. But, you know, like, I'm going to... Tap into the wild. Jackson Hole. All right, book it, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reacts on the Schwab interview. Get back and check it out. We'll be right back after this break. Back, final segment, Cross the Streams episode, Hometown Heroes, Mike Schwab, Kane and I got the interview done, got the reacts done. Now we want to go current events because we're only about two days removed from the GOAT. Tiger Woods doing really goaty things. Just, I mean, and Ken, this one's, it's awesome. There's a lot to discuss. But let's just talk about Tiger, the Masters, the career revival. I mean, where do we even start unpacking what we saw Sunday? <laughs> I, it's, there is so much to talk about, and it's so hard to really frame by frame by frame go. I, you just kind of, first off, it was amazing just watching the whole thing. Yep. Shot for shot, hole for hole. If you really tuned into the whole thing, like I did early, early Sunday morning, mm-hmm. I really I watched the whole thing all weekend as much as I could. 
And just as a, I, I'm a self-proclaimed Tiger defender. <laughs> always, always have been from the jump. And even with with everything that went down, and I still got to defend him. And I, I still, def- I sometimes have to defend him against myself. Like there's yep. times where I, I see some of the things that he does, and I'm just like, ah, Tiger, what the? But the actual the golf. That's what I've always loved Tiger for is just him on the golf course and the dominance in which he displays or has displayed over the course yeah. of his career. And so are you him. a Tiger defender like Tiger's the greatest golfer or are you a Tiger is a better person than Kip thinks he is? Because I think Tiger <laughs> did some really shady shit. But well, I think he's the no, greatest yeah. golfer of all time. Exactly. And that's more of what the Tiger defender for me is. It yeah. has nothing to do with... Tiger being a great person because I don't really know if Tiger's a great person. I think he's starting to become, he's starting to mature, and you can see yeah. him again. I don't know freaking Tiger, right? This guy sitting next to me in the goddamn drive-through, right? But I just know that the dude has been through a lot of shit, yeah. And for him to come out on the way he has to me is inspiring, yeah. And like, if, if you can't appreciate that part of it, then there's something wrong with you, yeah. Like if you can't appreciate watching a guy after, what is it, 15 years of not winning a major and going through everything that he did to try and get back to the top of, of golf. Meanwhile, going against a 43-year-old guy, multiple back surgeries, and he's got to play against these freaking wonder boys <laughs> that, that he helped create himself. Sure. All, these, all these guys are dudes that grew up in the trying to be... Tiger Woods, yeah, watching him dominate for however many, for the ten years that he was the most dominant, you could argue the most dominant athlete in his sport, yeah, ever, right? And these kids all watched that and wanted to be him, and now are the, they're all prodigies in their own right, and so he's going up against these damn clones of himself, essentially, mm-hmm. all younger, stronger, hit the ball farther, blah blah blah. And here he is, a, a really, maybe even a, a fraction of his former self, but still comes out on top. It, it's just freaking amazing to me. The, I think it, Tiger just, is the only golfer that, and this is dumb, like this is not a hot take, but this for Tiger was the first time anyone said, I think that golfer could play basketball at a high level. I think that yeah. golfer could play football because Tiger took the fitness and Tiger took the... Like, Tiger just looked different. You know, you, yeah. we, we grew up with Craig Stadler and Ian <laughs> Woosdom and guys that you were like, oh, that's a golfer. And then you yeah. see Tiger and you're like, oh, no, that's just an athlete. That's just, that's just the, an athlete. Yeah. Exactly. That was the first time you could really put a golfer into the athlete category and not laugh about it. Right. For sure. Because even Jack Nicholas was overweight. You yeah. know? It's not like Mark Jack Nicholas was winning any. Others. Yeah. Half of those legendary golfers out there smoking cigars and cigarettes on the course, drinking sips of whiskey, and still playing the golf game. And shoot, let's be honest, we've all done that. Yes. And been like, yeah, I, you know, hey, I can play golf until whatever age, and right. play hungover or whatever, and blah blah blah, and not feel. But Tiger made it more of a hey, if you can get yourself in the in the best physical possible shape you've got a chance to really set yourself apart. And yeah. now you've got all these guys that have followed that trend ever since that. Yep. And you got guys like Brooks Kupka out there. He looks like a damn linebacker. He does. Yes, he does. 
<laughs> you're just going, wow, the game has changed tremendously, and it was all because of Tiger. And yeah. no one can argue that. No one can argue. That's the thing that I'm probably the biggest Tiger defender on is the impact that he has on, has had and always will have on the game of golf. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the biggest and best ambassador for the game of golf that has ever been and ever will be. There's you, no one that, that comes close to no, that. Do you think it's accurate to portray Tiger is to golf what the NCAA tournament is to college basketball? Oh, wait, it is that. It's just the... <laughs> It doesn't exist without that. Uh, to me, it's one hundred percent. Like through this, through the dark ages of golf, before Tiger is, I guess you could put it that way. Like yeah. you know, the whole yeah. BC and AD. Yeah, that, that that's exactly what golf should be. The eras of golf should be the BT and then the post BT. Right. However, you want to term the the second part of the second coming of Tiger. Yep, and then. Now, Tiger's initial, when he was going through his shit and nowhere to be found, no one gave two no. crap, forgive my language, but two shits about golf, right. to be honest. Well, I mean, you can easily, I think an easy one, an easy, you know, an easy support for what we're saying is the ratings on TV, the ratings on social media. But an yeah. even better one, I think, that's even more impactful is the best marketing company in the history of the world, one could argue, is Nike. Yeah. And when Tiger wasn't a part of golf, they dropped trying to sell it to people. Yes. They cut out their sponsorships. They don't make clubs anymore, correct? Correct. They don't have they – like, they basically – I promise you now, something's going to come back from Nike <laughs> with Tiger. Like when was the only time you went to the golf section of a store for clothes? It's like, oh, Tiger wears that polo. That looks sick on me. Exactly. Tiger wears those pants. Oh, those are Tiger's shoes. Like, exactly. Here's the other thing I was I was joking around with my friends, but I was deadly serious. Tiger chewing gum on the golf course. Is the, yes. Watch how many slappy amateur golfers are going to be out there just chomping on golf or chomping on gum as they're playing their 18. I yes. guarantee it, it's going to be a trend all summer because I'm I know I'm going to do it. Yep. I know I'm going to be out there just chomping away. Yep. But <laughs> Tiger, I think it spoke to what he had. Because I'm with you in terms of. I finally am able to appreciate the golfer and separate him from some of the other stuff that he had done in this weird chasm that he's been in. I'm finally like, no, I'm totally comfortable cheering for Tiger between the first tee and the 18th tee. And then admitting I know nothing that happens afterwards. I'm fine with it. Totally cool with it. Um, When he took his hat off to celebrate and you were like, oh, man. He's got a LeBron hairline. Life's, he's, been, he's living life, isn't he? It's just getting yeah. him. And that, that made him feel even more human to me. Yeah, and, exa- and the fact that he joked about it himself in his post-golf tournament interview yeah. where he was like, yeah, I mean, this is stressful stuff. I mean, look at my hair. Look at, no wonder why I'm balding. Yeah. And to me, you can just tell that I think a part of it, the, the, the humble pie that he served himself essentially yeah, for, for a sure. long time has really kind of had an impact on him, and I think it's for the better. Again, I have no idea. You can no, yeah. be a big, a big time freaking asshole off the course, uh, blah, blah, blah. But regardless of all that, man, the guy is the greatest player to ever play the game, the greatest impact to ever have to have had on the game, and there's no buddy that will come close to it in our lifetime. And I, you know, usually when, when I, I can't even speak to usually because I do not watch golf unless Tiger's involved. I That's, do yeah, not watch it. 
how many people do you know that that's the case? Right? Like, I used to watch Greg Norman, but I knew he was going to tank. And so I'd only watch him, like, Saturdays because I knew Sunday yeah. he was going to tank. But there was no – I love the shark, but not even close to Tiger. My point being, I usually am like, God, these, these announcers on the Golf Channel or, you know, these guys are ridiculous. But the way they were describing the pressure – when Tiger's yes. playing, you can absolutely feel it for the other dudes. And then you watch it. You watch it over and over again. The guy yeah. hit a ball off a tree branch. Yeah. Like, that's something you would do yourself. Yeah. Guys are shanking shots. Guys are yakking putts. And it's purely because they just heard people go bananas when Tiger hit a tee shot. Yes. It's insane. Yep. It's the unflappable linebacker that is Brooks Kepka had multiple chances to potentially tie and force a playoff and had up to that point in the majors particularly and you couldn't phase the dude. Right. It would be making those putts. But now all of a sudden Tiger drills a, a shot within a foot on 16 behind him and it got to him a little bit. Yeah. And so it, it's just, it's cool to see the other part of it that I love seeing is when some of these sports writers and media figureheads, talking heads, whatever you want to call them, that now have to kind of eat their words yes. because they were calling him done and saying he's got no chance to win and ever again. He's never going to win a major. And now they're all quick to jump back on the other side of things. And it's a completely reversal. And now it's a whole new take for him. Yeah. Where now they're, they're predicting he's going to beat Nicholas's record of 18 majors. And they're totally back on the Tiger train. And none of them want to admit that they have been only maybe 12 months ago saying the complete opposite. Right. I think it's amazing, and this is just a small tidbit of what makes Tiger Tiger. When Tiger tees off and he's dialed and he hits it, and then he just picks his tee up, turns around and walks back. Like, who does that? Like, he's just like, no, I, I, I killed that. Guys, yeah. I'm, I'm dialed. I'm dialed. Yeah. Only Tiger does. That's when I feel better as a Tiger fan. When he tees off and watches it, I'm always worried. That, it's, it's hilarious. I'm yeah. the same way. Like He's so easy to watch. Not easy to watch. He actually stresses me out. But the dude, you can tell just by his reaction every time if the shot's going to be good or not. Yep. I mean, he time. hits one. He hits one 307. And as soon as he strikes it, he doesn't even watch it. I do no. like, sidebar, the yellow tracker. How do you feel about the yellow tracker? I love it. I oh, like it's it. The, it's the one of the greatest inventions of watching sports Ever. Yes. Minus instant replay. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> Minus, like, uh, there's instant replay <laughs> and the yellow golf tracker. I'm with <laughs> I'm you. you, man. You can't. It's it makes watching golf so much better because I remember for so long when I was a kid watching golf and they would hit a shot and the damn thing looked every time like it was spraying off to the right yep. side. Yep. Every time. I'm like, what the hell? Where did you hit that? And then the next shot would be the ball landing perfectly in either in the middle of the fairway or in the middle of the green. Yeah. And it, Drove me nuts. Like I didn't understand what the, what happened to the damn ball. Now we now we know exactly what's happened. It's tracing the exact track of the ball. It's freaking. It's awesome. Yo, now it's, it's right up there with with instant replay. Don't you Although feel like you would have figured out uh, like what Dad was always saying? He's going to hit a cut or he's going to hit yeah. a fade, and I would just go uh huh. And I had yeah. no idea what the old man was yeah. saying. I don't. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Dad. Why didn't he just yeah. hit it straight? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Draw, fade, cut, slice, hook. They're all they're all bad things in my mind, but yes. it turns out they're not so bad. What so about I do want to see now I my expectations now are completely unrealistic because I don't see him losing ever again. So Yeah, I know, right? It's back to that. <laughs> yeah. Now back to 
Tiger's going to dominate for the next five years before he retires and hangs him up. He's going to end up with 23 majors. I saw a good tweet that said Tiger showing up on Sunday in red is like just asking everybody, who's coming in second? (laughs) (laughs) It's so, and it's fun because if he does get back to that type of golf, that is fun. Yeah. People, it's, it's very similar to, and people go back to right back to hating him because he's so dominant. Yeah. And not just hating him because, uh, you know, they, he's a bad person, blah, 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 or hating him for another, a lot of other reasons that we all know are out there. But, yeah. um, People love to hate dominance. Yes, same reason sure. why I hate the Warriors. Like, right. I love same way I hate Warriors. the Patriots. Yep. Yeah. You just you hate, but you love to watch it too. You love to watch them either lose or, or whatever, and so it's that's why again people are going to start tuning in to golf even more because if Tiger does get back to the level and it's still it's a big if still it's, yeah. there's still question marks as far as if that back will hold up if he can continue to play as much as he wants in order to stay at the level he's at. Um, so it's, but it's still going to be interesting TV and now golf is going, yeah. thank God we are back to being relevant again. Because uh, when Jordan Spieth was winning, didn't watch a second. Not didn't a freaking second. Care. And, t- and, it, and again, I tell you, you just don't relate to most of these guys. No. There's no, you just, there's no story to them where you're just like, ah, I want to watch that guy go. Right. I don't Jordan Smith, I have no, there's no connection for me with Jordan Smith. No. You know, now, the one dude that we we do relate to, Tony, Tony Yes, Tony. Tony I knew you were going to bring in Tony. I love Tony. You got to love Tony Finau. Let's go. Yes. That was awesome. Tony Finau kind of looks like dad a little bit. Yeah, he looks a little bit dad. like young Cass out there. I'm telling you. Well, when mom and dad go to the U.S. Open here in a couple months... That's uh, that's apparently who they're going to walk around and pops is going to try and get them hook, get hooked up. Oh, see I promise you, you they'll have a, they'll have some kind of conversation. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Maybe we can get a female and across the streams. Oh, that would be huge. Before we leave, does anybody have a better end of March, beginning of April than Jim Fucking Nance? Oh my God! I God. do four weeks of the NCAA tournament, only the best sites. Yeah, I do the final four. And then I go to the Masters and I just ask softball questions from Butler Cabin. <laughs> oh, God. Here, here's where Nance was pissing me off during March Madness, the championship game, in the end of the championship game, when he was talking about one of the greatest sports stories in the history of sports. Because Virginia lost in the first round as the number one seed to a 16th seed and then came back the next year and won it. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that doesn't line up next to some of these other great stories. Like That does not at all, in my mind, garner one of the greatest sports stories in the history of, of sports. Right. Well, I w- I'm going to be able to... That? I can't am name... That? Somebody's going to have to be able to name a... Ch- here's, one, here's what cements that. While Schwab and I are in the Final Four audience, in the arena, in the stadium, great stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, we spent most of each game trying to top the 20 NBA players that played in the Duke-Arizona championship game with Dunleavy, Battier versus Gilbert Arenas and them. So we went through every single Final Four for like 30 years trying to find, could anybody get to 21 NBA players? Because yeah. on the floor in front of us was maybe two. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. 
Good for Virginia. I think Tony Bennett's probably a fantastic human being. Yeah. Care not. Really Do I? Coach. Right. Coach. Awesome. Great. None of those like, guys, except for Hunter, are going to play in the league. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. I'm not going to watch that 30 jump to watch that 30 for 30 on Virginia whenever that comes out. Right. On them losing to the 16 seed <laughs> and then coming back the next year. It's like, I, I, again, I was under the impression that you should have got your damn tournament card room. If you lose to a 16 seed as the number one seed, the first ever to do it. I, that was my impression. The NCAA should have implemented that rule. No, you're done. You can't play the next. Well, year. is it insane? I mean, here's they're going to be. I mean, people are going to forget them. Not that they deserve to be forgotten, but people are going to remember Tiger Woods six days yes. later. They're not going to remember 100%. that happened. No, Jim's not, not going to. Jim Nance is not going to remember he was even in no, Minneapolis. I guarantee Jim Nance is completely regretting what he said that night because <laughs> yes. of the because of the story that just arose. From yes. The pastors the next week. That's I would be so bold story. as to say Game of Thrones season premiere is a bigger story than Virginia basketball. A hundred percent it is. hundred percent. And we'll get into that on the next pod when we bring Schwab back to talk GOT. Tiger Woods, y'all. He's back. Content reminder, the opinions expressed on the Cross the Streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions, universities, or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests.